Well, Jesus, you are the theme of this morning, and we thank you for it. The greatest theme of our life, Lord, let it be Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your presence here this morning. Lord, we thank you you dress us in glory. How beautiful you are, O oh God. You know exactly what we need. And so, Lord, we thank you for glory. We thank you for dressing us yourself. We don't even put our... We don't even put it on. You're the one who puts on Jesus. And Lord, we thank you just for meeting us in this place. Well, this morning, i uh, got a number of things I want to jump into. And uh, the title of my message is Jesus' Definition of Greatness. And I'm going to continue on in my Living Your Best Life series, which means... If you're living your best life, you're living the Christ life. And there is no other life to live. And I've been going through a number of different ways that we live the Christ life. And this morning, I want to talk about uh, sermonhood. I want to talk about how Jesus described being great in the kingdom. Uh, tonight, maybe some of you are going to be watching the Super Bowl. They're going to be trying to decide who is the greatest, right? And that's, uh, you know, inter entertaining. I, I, it, it, it definitely is entertaining, and there's definitely a lot of skill involved in professional sports. But I'm thankful that the kingdom of God has different definitions of greatness. And I'm so glad to be a part of his kingdom. Amen. And... I just love the way that Jesus defines greatness. And I'll go into it in just a second, but it just reminded me of uh, as a kid growing up in my neighborhood. And uh, I moved into our neighborhood, and there was a lot of kids in our neighborhood. And um, we used to play in the evenings, and we'd bring out our bikes and ride our bikes. And there was a, a driveway off of the street that we were kind of connected to, and the driveway kind of ramped up. But as kids, we would... We would go and we would go up that driveway and jump off of the one side because it then landed into the, and you could land into the street. And, you know, all the kids in the neighborhood would kind of jump over there. Well, I moved in and I had, I had this bike that I was really proud of, that it was given to me by my brother. And it had, you know, a banana seat in the back. And it had the weirdest handlebars. And they went like this. And they went up and they wrapped around. You guys remember those bikes? Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. Anyway, my brother gave me that bike and I thought I was, uh, I was, I was the business. And, and I would ride that bike and I would jump off that thing, but because those handlebars kind of rose up really high, I could just pull that up and just jump really far. And soon enough it became uh, became well known that I was the greatest jumper in our neighborhood. <laughs> and I proudly bore that title until someone moved in. <laughs> and I don't even remember his name now, but he came and he had a trick bike, you know, with the handlebars up and the, the, the low seat in the back and the big tires. And, and he moved in. And so we, we had to battle it out. 
And one night, literally all the kids in the neighborhood were there. They were watching us, and they were, like, lining up on the street. There was, in my mind, there were thousands of kids, but I think there was probably 10 to 12, maybe. Um, <laughs> and we would jump, and there was be one of the kids that would measure it out and say, hey, this is where you hit. This is where you got it. And... We just kept kind of going back and forth, just pushing the limits. And so finally I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be it. Nobody can beat this one. And I went, I went way up our hill to come down and to go up and over that jump. So I come, giving it my all. I'm pedaling as best I can. We get, I, I get down there, jump, I'm pulling up. I'm, yes, you know, I can hear the cheers of the crowd. Bang! And I wiped out so bad. And somehow those awesome handlebars wrapped around my leg. (laughs) And I could barely get up. I was entangled in this bike. And I was like kind of whimpering and uh, uh, kind of groaning. And just kind of, my bike wasn't even working. The wheels wouldn't roll. And so I just started to kind of pull my bike and my body back to my house in silence and shame. So that's my experience of greatness. (laughs) But I am so thankful that Jesus measures greatness on so much better standard than that, right? Jesus is our standard of greatness. And he is so perfect in all of his ways. The disciples were often struggling with what it means to be great and what is greatness. In fact, their mothers would get involved sometimes. The mothers of the sons of Zebedee got involved. It says in Matthew 20, verse 20, Mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him, this mother of James and John. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit on your right and one on your left. But Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? And they said to him, we are able. Which, in fact, James would be the first of the apostles to be beheaded. We, we read this in Acts, in Acts chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, But he said to them, my cup you will drink. But to sit on my right and my left, this is not mine to give. But it is for those to whom it has been prepared by my father. And the other disciples, the other ten disciples are hearing this conversation. It says, and hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise control and authority over them. He's saying they subjugate, that, that the rulers of this world, they are, they are masters and they try to control and they try to subjugate. And this is the word that he uses here. And it is not this way, it is not this way among you, but whomever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Diakonos. Diakonos, which is a uh, compound word, konos means dust. Dia means thoroughly. And it 
alludes to, it's kind of an idiom, you're kicking up dust. And it's talking about a servant who is serving quickly for their master. So he's saying, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you got to kick up dust to help others. And he goes on then to say, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. And then he uses a different word, and this word slave is truly slave. It's owned by another, doulos. That ownership, that, that your life is in service to someone who owns you. Wow, this is a beautiful picture. Thank you, Jesus. That you must be the servant if you want to be great. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I love this verse because we know that John also says in 1 John 3, 8, John says, for this reason the Son of Man was manifest. For this reason Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. We love that verse, right? Love that verse. Well, Jesus is saying, in his own words, this is why I came. I came that, not, that I not be served, but that I serve and give myself as a ransom. And I love this word ransom he uses, lutron. Lutron means paying the price for freedom. Oh, paying a liberty price. That's what I came for. I came to pay the price to see healing and restoration, to see salvation and deliverance. I came to pay that price willingly. I came to give my life as a ransom for all. So Jesus clearly sets out what greatness should look like. This is why I came, and this is what, what it looks like. And then he even points, he points to John the Baptist in Matthew as well, of those who were born of a woman, there was no one greater. Now, scholars debate whether Jesus was included in that. He was born of a woman. But this is the statement that Jesus makes. Of those who were born of a woman, there was no one greater than John the Baptist. Let's talk about the greatness of John the Baptist's life. All the accolades and the honors that was, that was received by John. Right, if you know anything about the life of John, we know that he ended with what? With his head chopped off on the request of Herodias, which was the wife of Herod, Herod Antipas, who also was conspiring and, and led to Jesus' crucifixion. So we see that John's life was not maybe in the world's standard, all that great. Well, what's, what did he do? He lived in the desert, not much of a palace at all, lived in the desert. Uh, he wore camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. Says that he, he ate what? Remember what John the Baptist ate? He ate locusts and wild honey. Wherever he could find anything to eat, he found it and ate it. Wow, now that's greatness. Yet Jesus says, in his eyes, there was no one greater than John. The definition of greatness. So I wanted to look more at, at the greatness 
that Jesus is talking about. And in fact, I'm even thinking about John the Baptist. And he would even say, this was John the Baptist's boast. He must increase and I must decrease. That was his life. That John gave his life pointing to another. And the, Jesus says that that was great. In Psalm 99.9, we are said to exalt the Lord, to declare the greatness of God. I want to declare the greatness of Jesus with my life. Right? This is, what, this is what John came to do. He declared the greatness of Jesus. Lord, I am asking, I'm praying that your body, your bride, is great at declaring your greatness. Not just with her words, but with her life. With everything that manifests from her. Now, I want to give you just... Uh, just statements of the greatness that Jesus came to display for us and uh, just four main statements and that the first thing is the picture of greatness the picture of greatness and when in my notes and in my head when I'm saying the picture of greatness it's it, it goes right over top of the word service the picture of service the picture of greatness Okay, they're, they're synonymous is what I'm saying. Okay, in my mind, I don't know if you're catching that picture. Okay, so Jesus, the picture of greatness, what would that be? I see the picture of Jesus on the cross, and I'm going to ask the ushers to right now prepare that we take communion together, and we appreciate all the greatness that Jesus has purchased on our behalf and given to us. I know this isn't third Sunday. I know it's not our normal routine. Yay! Let's receive from his table, from his greatness. From his greatness we have all received. From his grace we have all received. That he wants us to receive him. That Jesus in Isaiah, Isaiah 53 700 years before Jesus comes on the scene, the Messiah comes, Isaiah is saying that there will be one who comes and he will bear, he will bear your sins, he will bear your sicknesses, your sorrows, your pains on himself. And that you will be set free and healed and redeemed because of all that he has accomplished for you. I love this, that there is no limit to the atonement to Jesus making us right with him. Jesus didn't come in a figurative body and be crucified on a figurative cross. It was a real body. It was a real cross because that's what we needed. But what I love, too, about this whole picture of Jesus on the cross, Jesus, Jesus on the cross... This is a complete openness. He's giving himself completely. Giving himself to everyone. The, 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 the undeserving, the ones who don't care, the ones who didn't call. But he gives himself, he lays himself out to humiliation. Why? Because... He believed that we were worth it. And he wanted relationship with us. <laughs> Spirit, soul, and body. 
Jesus was there on the cross, spirit, soul, and body, to minister to my spirit, soul, and body. He did it all. And this is a very Hebrew construction that it's not, we don't dissect as in the Hellenistics and the, the, the Greeks would dissect us into all these different parts. The Hebrews say, it's you. <laughs> you are one. That Jesus came as one spirit, soul, and body to take care of all that we needed. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, when Jesus was on the cross, so he ministers in every one of these areas, right? So on the cross, he's there ministering spirit, spirit to spirit. He ministers to the thief. He says, you will be with me in paradise. Spiritually ministering right there on the cross. He ministers emotionally. He ministers to bitterness. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm going to minister to the soul right now. And he ministers to the soul. And then John and Mary, his mother, are standing right there. And he says to Mary, behold your son. And he's looking at John. And he says to John, behold your mother. He's ministering to her physical needs. He's, I want to make sure that you are cared for, Mary. Jesus on the cross is doing all of these things. Spirit, soul, and body. Giving himself completely, sacrificially for our good. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have done for us. Thank you that by your body that was broken for me, that I have been made whole. By your stripes, I have been healed. So Jesus, thank you for all that you have done. Lord, we receive your perfect work on our behalf. We receive of your greatness. I want your greatness, Jesus. And I thank you for it. Woo, and your blood speaks of so much better things. Of my cleansing, of my forgiveness. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> when the enemy sees the blood, he's got to pass by. I thank you, Jesus, for, the, for your blood. For the greatness of your blood by which I come running boldly into the throne of grace. It's not mine. It's your blood, the only way that I could get there. Lord, and we receive that blood today in this place. Amen. And what is so incredible, so Jesus, his whole life was a ransom for many, okay? He was living that way before just the cross. It wasn't just on the cross that Jesus was living this way, serving, giving. And in fact, after the cross. So let's, let's look at after the cross in John 21. I don't have time to get there. In John 21, this is the third time Jesus appears to the disciples, and they, they, this is when they have decided, ah, oh, we're just going fishing. So they went fishing. Out on the Sea of Galilee again, they're, they are, they're fishing. They're not catching anything. Jesus shows up on the shore. He says, hey, you need to throw your nets on the other side. <laughs> John recognizes, wait a second, 
This sounds too familiar. He gets a better look. And he says, Peter, Peter, that's Jesus. Peter puts on his coat, dives out of the boat, and, drive, and swims to Jesus. I love the picture. What, what does he find at the shore? It says on the shore, he finds Jesus having a fire there, and he's got some fish, and he's got some bread. And he's prepared breakfast for the disciples. Does that get you? That gets me. Did this? So, so let's see. Even after the resurrection, so the name that is above all names, the name by which everything else has been created and was formed and made, that came through him, all of that right there making breakfast for them. Still serving. And you know, what is he doing at the right hand of God the Father continually for us? He is ever living. He is ever living to make intercession for us. Oh, I have Jesus sitting and has the ear of the Father, and he's interceding on my behalf continually. Okay, he's serving. Whoo! The greatness of Jesus. Greatness is in service. We can't get past it. It's who Jesus was. We, Jesus was defined by his service. Lord, let us be great. Let us be great at our service, at completely giving our lives like you gave your life. And I know you could say, I can't do that. You're right. You cannot do that. None of us can do it. But Jesus can by his spirit that he places within us. I can't do that, Jesus. You're right. That's why you need to constantly listen to the voice of my spirit and yield to his promptings. Yield to what he wants to do. Yield to his heart that burns within you. And then move with him. And then you will reflect the greatness of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to... So the picture of greatness, service. The posture of greatness and service. What do you think the posture, what do you think that would be in Jesus' life? The posture of greatness and service. What well, says in Matthew 18, Jesus says, Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humbles. Humbles himself. Take my yoke upon me and lean and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. This is what Jesus is saying about himself. I am humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In Philippians 2, just an incredible passage. You know, he's, Paul is telling the Philippians, you need to have this same heart that was in Christ Jesus, that though he was God, he did not regard his godness something that needed to be held onto at all costs. But he willingly emptied himself of his godness. He, left, he put it aside, his greatness, if you will, but he didn't. His greatness was still with him. That he set aside all his godly rights. It says, and he humbled himself, taking the form of a servant, became obedient to God to even death on a cross. That this is what Jesus has done that as, as the Son of God, as God Almighty, that he would humble himself and that he would take, this, take upon himself this humble heart. Um, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. 
This is the picture that I see. Right? This is Jesus. He takes off his coat. He puts on a towel. This is how you wash feet. This is Jesus. That was Jesus. A humble heart. Billy Graham tells of uh, Queen Victoria. She ruled over the United Kingdom in, from 1837 to, I think, 1901, that <laughs> she was a queen of the people, truly. She would go and visit slums. And regularly, well, not regularly, but she would do it from time to time. But she would visit the people in the slums, and she would even have, she would sit down and she would have tea. Not just, you know, walking by and waving. She would sit down and have tea. A beautiful picture. She was considered truly the most powerful woman on the planet at that time. The most powerful woman on the planet going to have tea in the slums of London. Once after uh, finishing a tea with, with an elderly lady, the queen was asked, the queen asks the woman, right? She's having tea with her, is there anything I can do for you? Such a beautiful picture. Is there anything I can do for you? And the woman said, yes, your majesty. You can meet me in heaven. The queen turned to her and said, yes, I'll be there, but only because of the blood that was shed on the cross for you and me. She understood her position in Christ. That's why she could humble herself. That's what it takes for us to recognize what we have in Jesus. It is humbling. It is humbling that I sit on the throne with Christ. I don't deserve it. But Jesus loves me so much, he's going to say, I'm going to make you deserving of it. I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you right with the Father so you can sit here with me. Thank you. Thank you isn't enough. That's why we come and we worship him. I can't, can't worship you enough if, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. God Almighty. The personality of service. Third thing, personality of greatness, service. <laughs> Jesus had a way of operating which was amazing. Jesus in Capernaum, so he's tempted by the devil. He comes out in power. He ends up going to Nazareth. He goes to Nazareth. He reads from Isaiah. <laughs> You're Isaiah 61. And they're like, they kind of were listening to him, and then they realized, wait, no, you are definitely not the Messiah, and basically kick him out. He goes then to Capernaum. Capernaum was where uh, Peter, Peter lived. And so Peter... He, he connects with Peter and some of the disciples. They begin to follow him. Jesus goes to Peter's house. His mother-in-law is sick. Jesus rebukes the fever of the mother-in-law, and she gets up and she begins to what? Serve. She begins to serve them. Okay. Uh, so we pick it up that the town hears that Jesus is, is there, and they heard actually, well, before he even got there, he actually cast out a demon or two and, the, <laughs> you know, did a lot of things uh, before he even got to Capernaum. He gets to Capernaum. Uh, I guess word has spread 
uh, they see that Peter's mom is great. It says that, that the whole town came to the door. Mark chapter 1, verse 33, it says the whole town came to the door to have Jesus pray with them. So Capernaum, about that time, archaeologists would say, there's about 1,500 people that lived in Capernaum. Was it exaggeration uh, that Matthew was saying, well, yeah, that, that was a whole town came, came there. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 40, it says that they opened the door and it says that he laid his hands on every one of them and healed and Mark would say, and they healed them all. Or Matthew would say, and they healed them all. That this is what Jesus did. This was his modus operandi, right? That he would lay hands on the sick. But then let's go to Mark chapter 1, verse 40 and 41. Let me go here real quick. Mark 1, 40 and 41. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. He said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Wait, when did the healing come? Immediately. When he did what? When he said, I am willing, be clean. What did he do first? He reached out his hand and he touched him. Why? Couldn't he just have said, be clean. I'm willing to be clean. He did it. That's what he did. That's how he healed him. Why did he reach out and touch him? Because Jesus wanted personal contact with every person that he ministered to. That he wanted them to receive the connection of the Father. That that is the reaching out of heaven to this leper that had been rejected. He would have to walk through the town and saying, unclean, unclean, hadn't been touched in years. And that Jesus would reach out and he would touch him with the touch of the Father's heart. God, you are so awesome to reach out to us in our place of need. And that's what Jesus did. All the needs were different, and yet all the needs were needs. And so he would reach into the need, and he would heal them. He would touch the brokenhearted. That those who were bound up, he would set free. That Jesus would even see a coffin, and he would put his hand on the coffin. There's no point. You need need to touch the coffin, Jesus. Why are you touching coffins? Makes you unclean. <laughs> uh, but the greater reality is what defines what happens. That the greater reality is Jesus has power over death, and that He would put His hand on the coffin because life consumes death. Yeah. Yeah. That this is what Jesus, the greatness of Jesus. The, the heart of the Father to reach out and overcome the realities that we, we live in and we just have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And Jesus was like, no, th- there is greater, there is more than. That Jesus, <laughs> Jesus says, but if I cast out demons 
by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you, right? This is what he's saying. I cast out demons by the touch of God. That's, that's what's casting out the demon, not the formula. It's the touch of God breaking into this life and casting out the darkness. Man, Jesus. Jesus. And that's what he desires for us. Lord, help us be great at extending our hands to extend the heart of the Father in the needs of people, one-on-one, -on -one, personally, intimately, just as you did. The, the fourth thing, the power, the power of greatness, the power of service. And this is Proverbs 3, 7. I love this Solomon is saying, do not withhold good from whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Jesus walked this earth with healing in his hands. Don't withhold good from whom it is due when it is in your, some of the translations say, when it's in the power of your hand to do it. I, I love that picture. Now say you were Jesus and you knew the spirit dwelt within you and you knew that healing flows through your body. It, you are anointed to bring healing to the broken, to, to bind up their wounds, to release captives. So don't you think that this verse was in even Jesus' mind? Don't withhold good from whom it is due. So when an entire town comes to your door knocking for you to come and and to touch them, and to pray with them, to bring healing to them, I can't withhold good. Peter would say, he is, Peter is preaching to the Gentiles. This is the first time the Gentiles received the gospel. So Peter is preaching to the Gentiles, and he said, you know this Jesus of Nazareth? You've heard, you've heard of who he was? This is Acts 10, 38. How God anointed him with the Holy Spirit with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Wait, who, how many? How many did he oppress? How, how many did he set free? All who were oppressed of the devil. All those who came to him, all those who within his reach, that he, he healed them all. He set them free. That, that the power was in the spirit that God, that was dwelling within Christ, just as the spirit dwells within the body of Christ as each one of us. I'm so thankful for, for the service and the ability that God has given us to serve like Christ. Yeah. It's not about us. I'm thankful, I, I was just thinking as I was preparing this, um, there's a lot of great servants in this house. And I'm not saying you only serve at Trinity. That this is one portion of your service in life. You serve, a hall, you serve in your homes. You serve in your neighborhoods. You serve at work. You serve at school. You serve in this church as well. You serve. I'm so thankful, and there are so many with servants' hearts, um, I am very thankful for my daughter. I want to brag on her a little bit, okay? My daughter, Jacqueline, she plays keyboard over here. Uh, 
she leads, leads us in worship, and I'm just so thankful, and she does this just with a servant's heart. But she, she does this. She's on the worship team. She also teaches in our children's department. She teaches. She's on a regular, regular teaching schedule, and so she teaches in there. You know, she also serves in the nursery. <laughs> and, and I was thinking, God, just thank you so much. You, you really did a great thing with this one. You are just so good with all you do, and I'm just so thankful for her life. Well, just I was thinking about that even as she was leading worship last week, and she came down after service, and she was talking to me, and she said, whew, Dad, man. And I don't know if all you all know, but she is also expecting her next baby in June. Wow. Yay. Number six uh, for us. <laughs> Number two for her. That, that, that pales in comparison to my six. Um, <laughs> kidding. But she said, she said, oh, Dad, boy, I was having such a hard time catching my breath as she was trying to lead worship. And it was, you know, carrying, you know, and being a, you know, soon-to-be mama. She, I mean, she is a mama, but you know what I mean. And she said, boy, I was really having a hard time breathing. I was like, oh, man, so, so sorry, honey. And she said, yeah, and my leg, my leg fell asleep <laughs> while I'm leading worship. And, and so, yeah, I was like, oh, man. And then I was just prompted to be so thankful for hearts that serve regardless of what's going on. And I'm not saying that if you're hurting that you just need to keep on pushing it through. No, but what I am saying is that there's just such a, a great reality to serving and that there is this greater reality that you're stepping into. And it was just as Jesus. Jesus didn't go on the cross for his own comfort, right? I mean, that's silly to even think that. That was a greater reality that he was wanting to, to demonstrate to the earth that that God has great plans and he wants us to step into those things and serve with him and see his kingdom come, see his will be done. And I'm so, so thankful for just the greatness of Jesus today. It's so amazing that we, and, and it's no surprise that the Holy Spirit would lead us in worship and focus us on Christ and, and then we just move into this point. And I want to do this this morning just kind of as an activation um, Jesus says to the disciples, you know, he's telling them that he's about to leave, but, you know, I'm going to, it's to your advantage that I go away because I'll give you the Holy Spirit. And uh, he will give you what you need, really what he says. And, and then he, he says, he says, and everyone who believes on me, the works that I do, he will do, she will do. And greater works than these will they do because I go to the Father. Because I'm releasing you to now do everything that I have done. So the greatness of Jesus is saying, okay, these great things that I walk in and I do, I give it to you. That by the Spirit that you move in the same Spirit that I moved in, and now I'm asking you to move that same way with that same posture, with that same personality, with that same power, that this is what I'm calling you to walk in in these days. Jesus, I want to do that. I want to do that. 
There's specific things that I want to get into to talk about just that specific uh, service and ways of serving. But if this has touched your heart at all this morning, I'm just going to ask you, you know, if you want to serve like this, uh, and you know, boy, I, I, don't, I don't really know if I can really do that. I don't know if I can serve like you, Jesus. Uh, well, good news. <laughs> Jesus has made a way for us to do it. Amen. Yes. And I want to I activate it this morning. And we could come up and we could all do this and I could run down the row and we could, we could pray together. But that's not how I want to do it. This is, how, this is what we need to do. We need to activate it. And I'm going to ask, if that's in your heart, I'm going to ask you to stand. Well, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know what you're going to ask me to do. <laughs> I understand that. It's fine. We're going to activate greatness in this house. Okay? We're going to activate greatness. And I want you to partner up. It's going to be you and someone else. Okay? And it can be somebody in your family. That's great. Uh, but if they're not in your family, I ask you to stay same gender, please. So, you know, girls with girls, guys with guys, ladies with ladies, men with men. Okay. If it's not in your family, just so that we don't make anything awkward. All right. Does that make sense? That should make sense. Okay. Okay. So, so turn to your, <laughs> your significant other. I'm sorry. That's horrible. Um, Turn to the person that you partnered up with and, <laughs> okay, for the lack of a better term, uh, look at each other like you're going to make vows, okay? Now, I'm not saying you're making vows, all right? Seriously, though, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, but. Okay, I want one of you to put, one of you is going to put their hands out, and another one is going to put their hands on top. Okay, so the ones who are putting just hands this time, just hands, we are going to be anointing those hands right now. We're anointing those hands in Jesus' name. So I'm going to ask you to say this, repeat after me. If your hands are on top, you are going to be blessing ones whose hands are receiving, okay? Does that make sense? All right. Repeat after me. I thank you, Lord, for these hands. Let the healing power of your love flow through them to the lost, to the broken, to the hurting and the bound. Let these hands be instruments of your glory attached directly to the, heart of God. to the heart of God. Let these hands, Let these hands accomplish, accomplish the greater things, the greater things you, created you created and anointed them for. Okay, now I want you to flip. Okay, now you who have your hands on top, now you repeat after me. I thank you, Lord, for these hands. Let the healing power of your love, flow through them to the lost, to the broken, to the hurting, to the bound up. Let these hands be instruments of your glory, attached directly 
to the heart of God. Let these hands accomplish the greater things you created and anointed them for. Okay, now let's switch. Now the one who is speaking first, now you take your hands and put them on the person's shoulders. You are going to be blessing and committing and dedicating this vessel to the Lord. Okay, repeat after me. Thank you, Lord, for this holy vessel. Let the greatness of Jesus as servant of all overtake them and define them that your spirit, like Jesus, that they may humble themselves with loving and compassionate hearts and anointed and healing hands to personally touch lives to see your kingdom come, to see your will be done. We dedicate this vessel to your glory. All right. Amen. So now, the next one. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing right here in this place. I wish I had my phone. Not to make a phone call, sorry. Um, Jesus, I thank you for a snapshot, and I take it right now. I thank you for this. This is your kingdom come. And I thank you, God. It just doesn't stay here. It goes out. Okay, so repeat after me. Thank you, Lord, for this holy vessel. Let the greatness of Jesus, as servant of all, overtake them and define them. That by your spirit, like Jesus, they may humble themselves with loving, compassionate hearts anointed healing hands to personally touch lives to see your kingdom come to see your will be done we dedicate this vessel to your glory amen Jesus I thank you for all that you have done in this place and I thank you for your presence I thank you for your greatness oh God let your greatness be upon all of your kids Lord let us walk in that greatness in these days Lord Jesus your word is not void you said 